The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. Negotiate Anything is produced by the American Negotiation Institute. And with over 3 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made it the number one negotiation podcast in the world. I'm Kwame Christian, and I'm the director of the American Negotiation Institute. We're growing, and I want to introduce you to our new team members and new trainers. This will give you new and diverse perspectives on negotiation and conflict resolution. And that's why Shane Martin, our head of sales and partnerships, is going to serve as co-host of the show from time to time. We're excited to continue to provide you with the best content that will help to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, our team conducts negotiation and conflict resolution trainings in the United States and abroad. Our trainings will give you the practical skills you need to resolve conflict, negotiate, lead, and persuade with confidence. Click the link in the description below to learn more about how we can make your difficult conversations easier. Marilyn, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. So how about you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay, great. Um, I am currently uh, Vice President and Associate General Counsel at Nationwide Insurance Company, and I'm responsible for our corporate and intellectual property, class action, litigation, and discovery management. Um, spent the first half of my career in private practice. Uh, started out in the coal industry doing collective bargaining and union avoidance. I was on the management side, a lot of civil litigation uh, in the retail, financial services, um, insurance area. Second half of my career, I've been in-house as a corporate legal executive at two different Fortune 100s uh, in the retail and then um, property and casualty and financial services industry. Fantastic. Yeah, we are very excited to have you. Um, we've had a ton of conversations just offline. Um, and, and now we're finally having the opportunity to capture it and share it with the masses. So I am excited to share your wisdom with my audience today. Oh. <laughs> well, as a member of your fan base, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. <laughs> having a great conversation with you. Absolutely. And so this is going to be a little bit different than, uh, than our uh, regular episodes, because usually we do a, a really tight episode, 30 minutes, three main points, and then we get it, get in and get out, and then we're, we're done. But with this one, what we're going to do is going, we're going to talk about a story. A story is going to be the, the, the base or the case study that we're going to utilize for the rest of the conversation. And then we're going to extract pieces of wisdom from that story. And so listeners, what I want you to do is even if this isn't a, a practice area or uh, an industry that you're in, I want you to find the commonalities between what it is you do and the techniques and sure. tactics and approach that, that Marilyn uses throughout the, the story. And then we're going to have a discussion about it. So I'm excited to hear it. So Let's get started. It's story time, <laughs> Marilyn. So where do we start? Well, let's talk a little bit uh, about experiences and negotiations um, and how they help you with your personal brand, right? And so for me, 
and part of my story, it's a little bit of a dandelion tale because again, first half was in private practice. You know, you get out of law school, you know what you're going to do. And then the good Lord does this great thing called life and your, your journey takes you in different places across different practices, different jurisdictions. Um, and so what was really important for me during those times was to build relationships with folks uh, and establish trust with them because I needed credibility with them, but to also do it in a way that I was true to myself. And as I work with professionals now, developing team members, mentoring and sponsoring different folks in the profession or across the country, the resounding theme of what is my personal brand becomes important. And so uh, it becomes important because it's the centered space you can take yourself to in, in any circumstance. So early in my career, I did a lot of coal work um, and, you know, which was an interesting time. In the early 90s, there was a lot of strike-related violence. Uh, frankly, some of it fairly unprecedented for those times. And so, you know, being a young gal starting out in the practice of law, you had to be ready to take on what you needed to, but you also needed to be resilient and adaptable and had to have a strong sense of self. Now, quite honestly, that gets interesting for me. Uh, I was lucky to have been raised in a family uh, with parents who believed in me um, and I thought I could do anything. And it was really interesting when I got out into the real world after law school to, to see that maybe the world didn't necessarily agree with that. And so one, one of the first, um, situations I had, and there were a couple that were very formulative that I've learned a lot from and I've grown over the years to be grateful for were just a couple of situations that I found myself in because I was willing to work hard. So one of them was uh, during the time I was doing work in the coal industry, uh, we had a strike occur, a wildcat strike, despite the fact that there was a collective bargaining agreement with a no strike provision that was in full force and effect. And so we found our, ourselves uh, having to go to federal court to, to get an injunction and an order sending the coal miners back to work. Um, this was a big deal. Early in my career, I was so excited to do it. Uh, there were not, uh, there were a few women, but not many women doing this work. And of course, on my side, for my client, my CFO, my CEO uh, uh, were men, as were my partners on, on the team. And so it was very exciting to be going to the federal courthouse to, to argue this motion. It was very, very important. So we get there and we go in and the first thing that the judge does is the judge says, um, as we approach into the courtroom, I'd like to see the parties in chamber. And so um, I said, your honor, we really are going to need to go on the record here. And he said, well, I understand, but it's the court's practice to have you all come in chambers and let's have a conversation. Um, all right, your honor. So we all proceeded in and of course, uh, our very worthy adversaries, uh, union leadership, uh, was present as was my client. And so I explained the motion and I'm making our points for the court's consideration. And, and then the judge, uh, says to me, um, uh, Ms. McClure, I'd like you, I've heard what you had to say for your clients and I'd like you to get the come hither look on your face and, go up to the picket line and see if you can't get those gentlemen of the union to go back to work. Um, now there's a lot of snickering going on in chambers. Um, and I said, well, your honor, I'm not sure I know what the come hither look is, 
but I'll be glad, sir, to go up to the picket line and see if I can get these fine gentlemen of the, of the uh, union to go back to work. And so he says, all right, Ms. McClure, uh, please report back to the court after you have done this. And if you're not successful getting them to go back to work, uh, the court will consider granting your motion and, and sending in the federal marshals uh, to help get these gentlemen back to work. So, you know, it was interesting and we can debrief later, but the rest of the story is I promptly leave with my clients. Uh, we're heading back to the office where there was another interesting event and get back to the office and then the discussion at the office with the clients and my partners is what are you going to do and i'm like well this is quite simple for me i'm gonna keep my word i told the judge that i would go up there and so now the issue is who's going with me and we'll go up there and see the gentleman on the picket line and see if we can't reason with them and get them to go back to work um, so they stood with me and we went up and I get to the picket line and there's a fair amount of whistling and a couple of comments about me wearing shoes and uh, maybe I needed to get a frying pan and go home and do what other women do. And I talked to him and I said, now gentlemen, you know you have a collective bargaining agreement and I tried to charm them into understanding with great respect that we really needed them to go back to work or the court was gonna intervene. Uh, that was met with a lot of snickers. Uh, obviously it didn't work, but I tried and then went back with the clients to the court. And what was interesting to me when I returned, same Emma with the judge. I'd like to see the parties in chamber. Could you come into chamber? Your Honor, I'm gonna have to insist this time. We need to have a record. Um, well, I understand that, Ms. McClure, but you come on in here and, and let's see what the parties have to say. So I tell my side of the story. We've gone up there. I have my clients who can affirm this. And then I said, your honor, didn't work. They didn't go back to work, but I gave it my best shot. And then what the judge says to me is attorney McClure, changed from Miss McClure to attorney McClure, um, then the court's gonna keep its word. You've adequately argued the motion. The motion is granted. And I'm bailiff, if you would bring down the federal marshals to go with, Ms., uh, go with attorney McClure back up to the picket line to get these gentlemen to go back to work. So, we did, and the gentleman went back to work. Um, there's a lot to dig in there. One of them is composure in the moment. Uh, one of them is knowing who you are in the moment and continuing. I mean, uh, you know, and some of it's just overcoming, right? So make the best of the moment, turn that into an, an opportunity. And in that moment, it did not feel very good. Uh, to be quite honest with you, like I've, you know, there's a part of you that thinks, oh my Lord, should I drop and run? Um, but the other part of me thought, I know exactly what to do and I'm not afraid to do it. I'm willing to invest in other people. And so I'm going to give my word to do this and then go keep my word. Now, one of the things that was very interesting to me, uh, and it, you know, at the time it didn't feel so good as I've aged and practiced, I've looked back upon that and thought, even though it didn't feel like it in the moment, that judge gave me great opportunity to show what I was made of. And the fact that I could make my own decision, stand on my own two feet, not let it keep me off my game of representing my clients, but also receive and respect the positions of those who were not my clients, kind of cemented my brand. 
it, it did more than announce I had just arrived to the practice. It announced who I was in my practice. And I'm very grateful for that because over my time practicing over the last more than quarter of a century now, working with others either on my teams or who were part of my clients in their organization or those I mentor and sponsor, I've worked with folks. Sometimes it takes decades to, to have an experience that helps you cement who you are and validate who you are and then let you work towards it. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I, it has translated for me in my career to there is nothing I can't negotiate or won't negotiate um, to my own personal standard. And so it freed me up a lot, I think, as a, as a young woman who, uh, first generation lawyer um, from Appalachia, to figure out how to Marylandize folks I wanted to move, uh, not, not try to be somebody else, another woman, another man, but to figure out how to use the attributes and the blessings that the good Lord gave me to sort of Marylandize other folks um, and help move them. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, negotiations is all about communicating, but it's deeper than that. You know, you're moving people when you negotiate, when you communicate, basically in the highest categories, you're either informing people of information they need to know, or you're elevating things uh, for action, right? So, uh, or a combination of the both. But when you're negotiating, you're moving people. And if you want to move people, you have to move too. And so you've really got to have a good centered self. And I think you want over time, a brand that allows you to flex your style and grow yourself and bring others along, but it's something that you can be true to regardless of industry, technical practice area, dispute, contract, marital bliss, whatever it is you're negotiating at the time. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors. I'm Laura Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. 
Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Right. And you know, one, one thing I want to go back to in this story is when the judge said, uh, I want you to put on the come hither look. For our um, international uh, listeners who might not be familiar with the, the, that term, it is, a, um, it is a, a nod to seduction, right? It, there's a sexual implication, uh, implication there. And so that is highly offensive. And I know probably back in, um, in uh, West Virginia at that time, it was probably taken in a different way. But today, um, that would be something where the judge, <laughs> the judge would probably lose his job over if that were to come out. And so in that moment, how were you able to maintain your composure in the face of something like that? Well, I say it like this. I mean, you feel it and you know it. I did two things to diffuse it for myself. Uh, and part of this is, is upbringing and, and uh, I give credit to my parents and that was to try to handle things with class because you never know what shoes people are wearing and et cetera. And so the one thing for me that I did that I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I said, well, your honor, I'm not exactly sure what the come hither look is but I'll be glad to go up to that picket line and see if I can't get the fine gentleman of the union to go back to work. And part of that was uh, truth. Um, also an unwillingness to let that sort of broad brush taint my ability as an attorney to represent my clients or to influence my style or my sense of responsibility. And so to me, I felt like I gently diffused it without making it bigger than life because I wanted this to be about, you know, hey, I wanted this to be, gee whiz, this gal is a heck of a lawyer and she can take what comes her way and do it with grace and class and still bring people together and can see people. And so I, you know, I chose to do that um, in that moment. I would do that again. I have reflected over this story over my career and, and, and you know, shared it in a way to help other people uh, over time. And I was glad I handled it that way because I, you know, that was early in my law career. I was establishing a reputation and very much wanted to be Maryland, not emulating uh, the one woman, if there was one, or trying to succumb to cultural things where I had to engage in behaviors and conduct or even use words that were not Maryland. And so um, it was my effort to diffuse it, but not be uh, defined by it, to keep on and press on with my job. And at the end of the day here, the goal was to get everybody back to work. That was good for both sides. Uh, we had a, you know, a collective bargaining agreement that had been negotiated by both sides and to do it in a way that was, I guess, my thought was respectful because if the court thought that I had, a, you know, the other thing, the other way to look at this too is, hey, this judge thinks I have enough influence to go up there and make a difference and he doesn't have to send in the marshals. Well, okay. If I, if you have that, I can go do it. I'm not afraid to do that. And so, you know, unpacking that over the decades, uh, just that single story 
in the moment, there were many who thought, gee whiz, that was ridiculous. I mean, I remember some of my partners were like, ah, this is not how the practice of the law goes. And, you know, or, and I'm like, I can shake this off. It'll be fine. But I also was like, you know, here's a chance to make a difference too and show that uh, that's not going to cause me to not do what needs done in this moment or to rise to a challenge to see if there's an alternate way to resolve this dispute without intervention of the marshals and an order of the court. And so if I really want to live into being a great negotiator, I'm going to be open to those opportunities when they come. Um, I'll also say this about it. That judge later in my career, uh, before he passed away, would, would tell me that he knew that day uh, and that week because we were back within, I don't know, 36 hours front of the court, I would say, uh, that he knew then I would be one of the best lawyers to ever practice in front of him. And, you know, he changed the respect he showed me. He was calling me Miss McClure when it started, which I frankly didn't take offense to. But when I returned after having gone to that picket line, he referred to me as Attorney McClure. And so what didn't feel good or look like much of an opportunity then over the years I've come to appreciate was a great opportunity. Uh, I've worked with other lawyers and people over decades. It, it took them decades to establish the kind of credibility that an opportunity that doesn't feel so good if you seize on it can create for you much sooner in time. And frankly, that helped cement my brand, my reputation, my career, um, I was fearless, um, but tried not to be foolhardy, tried to exercise grace and be respectful of other people, willing to meet them where they are, go to a picket line, um, cross several in my career, um, and also able to, to move on, on to other opportunities, right? Um, I would say that, that those were influential times for me. I, a lot of my colleagues and peers who know me now in current roles and see me negotiate much different disputes, totally different scenarios, um, say to me, gosh, I, you know, I never knew that about you, but when I hear that, I can see it a little bit because you engage people first thing you do when you negotiate is engage other people. So uh, I'll stop there. I didn't. No, this is great. This is really, really great. And I think one of the core parts of this message is the importance of recognizing opportunities. And uh, I mentioned this in my TED talk too, when it comes down to it, conflict is an opportunity. We just need to be creative enough in the moment to see where the opportunity is. And again, when your emotions are clouded, uh, clouding your judgment, it's really hard to see it. But just remembering that it's an opportunity and then forcing yourself in the moment to see where's the opportunity, where's the opportunity. You're going to recognize that you're going to start to get grounded in the moment and you'll start to think more clearly. And I, I tell you, it's, it's really impressive how you were able to maintain your composure at such a young stage in your career in such a high stakes negotiation. But again, like you said, it was an important part of the building of your personal brand going forward. And then for the, the second difficult conversation that you had, we had, the, we had the judge and then we had you walking up to the picket line. And for those of you who don't know what a picket line is, so just painting the story, the, the picture here. So we're in West Virginia, it is a coal mining um, operation. And so you have hundreds of men <laughs> uh, with, a, with signs talking about how evil your client is. And you walk up to them as a young woman 
and you say, hey, please stop. <laughs> so how, how were you able to do that? Because that's, again, not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, it's interesting. Others have asked me that before. I'll be honest with you. I, I, again, I give my parents credit and, and, and where I'm from Appalachia, uh, and you know, the good Lord credit for this. I just was raised to respect other people and, and consider where they are first in addition to yourself, because you don't know what shoes they wear. And so frankly, for me at that time, um, while others might've thought that was crazy, I just was like, well, in a way it's playing, playing, uh, playing proper respects. And in a way, if I actually believe in the end result, I'm going to try to get for my client here, i.e. get everybody back to work. It doesn't have to be my way or the highway, how that happens. And so when a third party tribunal, a federal sitting judge has a suggestion that makes good sense, why not be open to it? And I think that was great for me and very formulative too, because one of the other themes in my career that I talk with folks about all the time, you've got to be adaptable and you want to be resilient and you want to be in charge of your best self and your emotional reaction to things so that when an opportunity comes with reason, you can pivot. And so being open to another thought, uh, what I'll call pulling out the stops was not inconsistent with my brand because if it would have worked, can you imagine? I don't know. I probably could have charged a higher billable hour if they thought I had that much influence. Um, but those folks were worth it. And, you know, I, I loved the time I did the work, uh, a lot of the management side work. And even though it gets really difficult, sometimes uh, have great appreciation for the union movement and what it's done in our country. And, and frankly had family on both sides of that. And so why not be open to an alternate path if it works, my goodness gracious. And if it doesn't, you can always come back to the initial strategy you were employing to begin with. But you've also demonstrated to other people, I think, that you're open, you can adapt to different things, you're willing to try and meet others where they are, which I think is super, super important in building credibility and trust. Because if you're not willing to meet other people where they are, why would you expect them to meet you where you are? So, and again, I, over time, that story has meant even more to me because I've realized and recognized that even though I didn't feel like it in the moment, that judge gave me an incredible opportunity in my career, um, one that not everyone gets. So it was up to me to make the most of it, and, and I've tried. Right. This is great. And I, I think a, a great synopsis for that is just, it's people in process. That's it. Wow. When, when you think about the... Uh, the, the approach that you have for negotiation, it's people, you engage, you treat people with respect, you trust first, and then the process. You do it in a way that is respectful to the other side, that's honorable, but at the same time, you're, you're zealously advocating on behalf of your client's interests. And so the, the people on the other side, they say, wow, Marilyn was a worthy adversary. She, she, she did the best that she could given her position for her clients. And she did it in a way that was respectful. If I want an attorney, 
I'm working with you. I think that's that's the ultimate testament to to your efficacy as a as an advocate and as a negotiator too. So this this has been fantastic. I've I've really enjoyed this. I the time just flew by. <laughs> I just looked at the time oh and I said, "Wow, this has oh been great, goodness. though." Um, and I think it's just a sign that we have to have you back on the show uh, again to go deeper into some of these. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.